This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Broncos take on the New England Patriots on Sunday night football on Christmas Eve in a must-win game. Quite frankly, they're all must-win games. The Denver Broncos now sitting in 11th spot in the AFC. That is uh, notably outside of playoff position. They will have to continue to win out and get a little bit of help now after losing to the Detroit Lions, who behind Jared Goff's five touchdown passes, kind of got over on a Denver Broncos team that was that looked to be pretty gassed. Three games in thirteen, especially days, on defense, all on the road. Yeah. Uh, worth noting, however, all five of Goff's touchdown passes were on uh, inward routes, cut to the inside. Of course, you think about that and go, "Okay, well, you know, you want a little safety help." Well, you might get it. Kareem Jackson was suspended four games, of course, in his second suspension of the year. He's now surrendered nearly six hundred thousand dollars of his salary to that suspension, and he can come back in this game. The Broncos will have to release a player in order to activate him. I suspect that will happen, even though P.J. Locke in the six games missed by Kareem Jackson. P.J. Locke started in five of them. Interception, three sacks, two oh, forced hurt fumbles. The other one. Right. The one he didn't start, he right. hurt. Right, he, he ended up getting hurt. So you're talking about the inter- interception, three sacks, and two uh, forced fumbles. So Locke has been, and you know, I said it here, and I don't think you disagreed, I thought as it stood today in 2023, P.J. Locke is a better NFL player than Kareem Jackson. But I presume... No, he's less likely to get suspended. Uh, well, it's definitely that. I presume the Denver Broncos will still be happy for the help. Oh, sure. Sure. And, and I mean... And I guess uh, Bailey Zappi, not Jared Goff, but in, still. In, um, the game, the last game he played, I believe, was against the Vikings. And, and by the way, this nonsense that I'm reading about in the papers that uh, Kareem Jackson is sending clips to the league of all these guys who did the same thing he did and weren't flagged, his hit on Joshua Dobbs was not flagged either. Right. And he was only suspended, and the other guys almost certainly will be fined, even if they weren't flagged. They'll be fine. The reason they won't be suspended is that they haven't already this year been suspended. Not repeat offenders. They're not recidivists. Kareem Jackson is. The only reason he got suspended the second time was because he was suspended the first time for four games and got it knocked down to two games. So the league was not thrilled in that in his comeback, the first play he was involved in, he cheap-shotted Dobbs. Hit him in the head with his helmet. If you don't think it matters, uh, you can ask the Steelers and DeMonte Casey how that's going. He was suspended for the remainder of the season for his hit on Michael Pittman. Right. That took Pittman out of the game. Right. Now, Dobbs stayed in the game, but so did Kareem Jackson, and he played 100% of the snaps during the course of that game against the Vikings. So, yes, I assume that you take a guy who's been suspended for four games back with open arms when in the last game he played, he played every single snap. And and when he played in that game against Minnesota, which the Broncos did win, that close game, he had nine tackles, six of them soloing. Yeah, I thought he game. played okay. I thought he played actually more than okay. He, he was good. He was actually pretty good. The Broncos could he use actually pretty the good. help. So now, they, yeah, they could use the help. I'll, uh, and I, I will get but to get But getting yourself moment. suspended is not leadership. And, and he's been Sean a good Payton, leader. I think you're talking about a guy that, you know, Sean Payton's talked about earlier in the season, how he still feels 
uh, or should say prior to the season. Now he still feels like the league's out to get him. We hear, talked about that with Seth Wickersham. We actually had Seth on this show to talk about that. And uh, Kareem Jackson said after he met with Roger Goodell, and he, he said, and I, and I quote Kareem Jackson here, yep. I was told I'm responsible for the offensive guy's protection. I don't believe you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a little Ackerman. Yeah, I, Actually, yeah. I don't think that's what I, happened I either. I and it. and I would expect, yeah, you're going to need to watch what you're doing there because yeah, the league is paying attention and they're going to continue to do that because yes, uh, you have been now suspended twice this season alone. What he was told by Roger Goodell, I imagine, was that when you have a choice to hit someone cleanly and yeah, hard that's the correct and choice. hit them hard and dirty you made yeah, that's not once one. but twice you made the choice to go hard and dirty yep rather than hard and clean hard and clean will be fine hard and dirty gets you suspended again it would get you fined but you've been suspended twice right so we're going to do it a third time if you do it again if it had been the first time would have got a fine and he wasn't flagged he would have been fine just as a number of players referenced by Kareem Jackson himself weren't flagged and almost certainly were later fined. And as you indicated, a Pittsburgh Steeler yeah, who cheap shot at Pittman, he's done for the year. Done for the year. And then Pittsburgh's pretty much done for the year, too. They're going to hear an appeal, the NFL will, but I highly doubt that's going to change no, because no, the, no, the league, as the year has gone along, seems to be cracking down on this more and more because they are trying to make a point. And it apparently is not sinking in. So hopefully uh, Jackson can come back and help because you are taking on a Patriots team that uh, behind Bailey Zappi is not that dangerous. But as you've pointed out before, Sandy, the defense for the Patriots, however, is different. The offense is bad. It's a battle of two, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. Enjoy two really underwhelming offenses on well, Sunday night. I, but I, uh, Can you know, I interject a couple? Santa's early on the lump of coal for you. I have good news and I have bad news. But defense is better. Okay. And good news and bad Which news. I want the I want the good news first. Good news first. Relatively good news. Oh well, see now you took the, it away. The Broncos have in Russell Wilson clearly the better quarterback. Okay, well that's true. Yeah. Okay. They're, that's they, good. Yeah, that, that that's good news. That's good. The bad news is yes, Russell Wilson is a better quarterback this year. Across the metric scale. That's good, too. And Bailey Zappi. Okay. But, <laughs> bad news. <laughs> Russell Wilson is ranked 22nd among 40 qualifying quarterbacks. Guess who's ranked number 40? One Bailey Zappi. Well, wait, that's also good. I mean. No, no, I, I, I'm i saying. That's good at better. least in I'm, terms I'm of Sunday. It's clear that Wilson is the better of the two quarterbacks. But largely because Zappi is, is last, dead last among, among all qualifying all quarterbacks, qualifying quarterbacks hey. and this is 140 dropbacks or more. This is one of the things I hear at times when people say, you he's can only behind play. Matt Jones, who he's beaten out for the job. You can only play who's across from you, so, you know, good luck for the Broncos. So I, that, I that's, it. that's definitely good news, that yeah. they're playing the worst among 40 qualifying <laughs> quarterbacks yes. on the basis of expected points added per dropback. Perfect. 2023. Great. Right? That's minus good. zero. Uh, I'm sorry. Minus 0 0.29 is number 40. You know, number 39 is old friend Joe Flacco. Minus 0 0.24. Although 
he played well when he had to in the fourth quarter the other yeah, day like, for the Browns. He's going to win football games. Uh, number 38 is Zach Wilson. Number 37 is Daniel Jones. Uh, Jones is out for the year. Wilson got concussed, and who knows when he'll play again or will he, will he ever play or again. We yeah. know Aaron Rodgers has said this week he won't oh, be playing in twenty. How about this, though, Sandy? How about this? You know, and I, I don't mean to derail it too much, but the Jets – Report according to Rich Cimini, who's about right. back east and recovers them. Okay. Right. Um, the Jets are activating him this yes, week. I saw that. They're going to put him on the 53. Right. Even though Rogers, who, by the way, Rogers uses, uh, look, uh, say what you want, the entertainment value of the Pat McAfee show. Uh, you know when political candidates have, like, their their campaign head and they, they talk about oh, whatever, yeah. right? Like, Pat McAfee have, serves that role for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's the president of the uh, he, Aaron Rodgers political right, campaign operation. Right, And that's what he does. Uh, even Aaron Rodgers on his weekly Pat McAfee propaganda hour said he's not playing this yeah, year. And the Jets are still going to still activate, activate him this week. Well, I guess because apparently Wilson whatever Aaron concussion Rogers protocol wants Aaron Rodgers gets, yeah. Yeah. and Zach Wilson not only in concussion protocol is probably is there some kind of clause I, in his contract that if he's active for a game gets him. I actually looked into that, and the indication is no. It's just his ego. At work, I, I guess it's just his ego at work that he wants to say, "Look, I, I'm, I'm hey, back. I'm back. I was. I'm activated. absolutely not going to play, but no. I was activated, no, I was activated, and so and what." He said something about Whatever. 14 weeks this week since he had the surgery. So he's going for the Guinness Book of he's World counting, Records yeah. for fastest recovery from an Achilles tendon. Right. His uh, his, his uh, blastomeres are weeks. doing a good job of building the muscle fiber in the, who knows, with the what stimulated by the darkness retreat and then the whatever else. You, okay, cool. But uh, Jets, you wonder why you're the Jets? This is why you're the Jets. Yeah. This is why it's going to be 13 years without the playoffs for y'all. Yeah. Because you're literally, and I get it, they're not going anywhere, but you've basically told your 40-year-old quarterback, who was never going to play, oh, we'll activate you. Why? I don't know, because you want it. What? (laughs) Okay. Whatever. Um, You do you. And again, in the I don't believe you thing uh, earlier in the uh, last week that... Reportedly, Aaron Rodgers uh, made a leaping interception on the scout team. Like, wait a minute, you're oh, forty. Did he talk about that? Uh, he didn't. It was uh, it was reported, okay. and uh, yeah, because I didn't hear him. I heard the most yeah. of the your forty year old quarterback coming off Achilles surgery is playing scout team yeah. linebacker. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Leaping interception. That's okay, you know, again, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I believe it. Uh, she didn't say. Yeah, nobody and, says that anymore. It, but uh, in the advent of social media, you know, the yeah, kids just say yeah. "picks" or "it didn't happen." Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's sort of where we're at. I'm like, um, I'm not sure on that one. Let, let's. Uh, uh, I, I'll give you another good news, bad news. Okay, so so far your good news, bad news have been really actually good. I mean, zooming out to the whole season, not so great at 22nd, but yeah, you yeah, only play it on yeah, Sunday. That's, that's it was good. Uh, it's not great news. Um, so, but he's 22nd, and his opposite number is. Number four, yeah. dead last. I'll take EPA it. per drop. I'll take it. All right. Uh, teams in the NFL with 100% certainty making the playoffs would be Baltimore, Miami, and the AFC, San Francisco, Dallas, and Philly have clinched playoff spots, not division titles, although San Francisco has clinched both a division title and a playoff spot. I think they're wait, the wait. only team. No, Miami hasn't clinched a spot. Yeah, they have. They have they'll be in the playoffs. They may not be fifth 
but they will be in the playoffs. Hmm. They've won 10 games. They're in the playoffs. Well, yeah. They're in the playoffs. I don't think they've clinched, the but you're right. It would be hard they to imagine. Been, uh, th- this is the my and it's I, I I don't think this is official, but it's part of the athletic point. model. The playoff odds are extraordinary. Hundred percent. Yeah. Now Kansas City is ninety nine point six percent, which might as well be a hundred percent. Right. Okay? Right. Here, here's officially only Baltimore bit. has clinched in the AFC. Right. Yes. The but, NFC only San Francisco, and, Dallas, and San and Francisco, Philly. Dallas, and Philly in right. the NFC, and Detroit is at ninety nine point nine percent. Yes, three three games ahead. Right, which is three games ahead of Minnesota with three to go. Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent is where you are when there are two seconds left in the game and you're up seventy to twenty, because the game hasn't ended yet. So you can you can't be a hundred percent technically. Right, it's got to be ninety nine point nine, which is the same as one hundred. Okay, in the AFC, we don't care about the NFC as much. In the AFC, apart from the teams mentioned, Baltimore, Minnesota, Kansas City. Cleveland, this surprised me. That, and again, it's somebody else's model, but you know, it's the athletics model, and, and take it as relatively seriously as I can. Cleveland at ninety two point eight percent. That was the value of Cleveland's win the other day over mm-hmm. Chicago. The comeback win. They're ninety two point eight percent likely to make the playoffs according to this model. Jacksonville way back at seventy two point six percent now. Not even seventy five percent chance. Of making the playoffs. Indy, 67.8%. Buffalo, 64.6%. Houston, 58.8%. Now, that's the bad news because I just mentioned eight teams, only seven make the playoffs, and eight teams have a 58.8% chance or better to make the playoffs. However, in relation to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, Denver has a better percentage chance to make the playoffs. 18.8%, Cincinnati at 17.6%, although Cincinnati has won one more game than Denver has won, one game ahead of Denver in the standings. Pittsburgh has the same record as Denver, 7-7, seven and 6.3% seven, chance to make the playoffs. So we say the Broncos have to climb over four teams to make it. According to this, they only have to climb over Houston and Buffalo. And they've already got the tiebreaker on Buffalo. So I'm saying, you know, there's a chance. There's a chance that if they can just, if, if Buffalo loses a game, and listen, Miami will probably be trying in Week 18. Uh, yeah, it's a few weeks the ago. Bills. You're looking at that and say Miami might have clinched and the rest to and do all this. Miami may need the game to win the division. Right, and winning the division is a big deal. So the good news for Denver is Miami. They don't have the tiebreaker on Miami. Uh, no. Miami's already won 10 no. games. When you the lose most by Denver 50, can yeah. do is win 10. When you lose Denver by 50, cannot uh, finish ahead of Miami. Correct. That's why Miami has put it 100% to make the playoffs, because Denver has an almost 1-5 in five chance to make it, and there is no mathematical way that Denver can finish ahead of Miami. But it will get Denver better can't win 11 games. if they win on Sunday. If they find a way to win on Sunday, a it, little it, it, it will get a little better. Depending and, on what happens in the other two or three key games. Right. But it seems out of these three games that are remaining for the Broncos, now I'm not discounting a opportunity for the Raiders in Vegas to wreck the Broncos' chances and make that a game that, it, that appears easy. But I think, odd as it sounds, the Patriots team has won three games. This might be the toughest of the three. Oh, and, it is. and Because of the by, defensive by ability. Far. So I think by if the Broncos far, can the get through this. the best quarterback they'll face is Aiden O'Connell. <laughs> yeah, the other by, guy's. 
far. So, I mean, we, we'll have to see. We'll find a way if they get this uh, done. We'll talk more about it, obviously, as the week goes along. And we'll also pay attention, by the way, early signing day happening. Jordan Seaton, the top uh, offensive tackle in the country. Did you see ESPN's rankings? Apparently, uh, Buffs currently at 49. Yeah. But that includes Seaton, who may indeed be waffling between uh, Maryland, Tennessee, and the Buffs. We'll keep what? an eye on that as well. I haven't heard that. Yeah. May you know has not remember. signed at this point yet on early Boy, signing he seemed day. so sure. He sure did. We will find he out. was being recruited by Ohio State, uh-huh. among State other by 30 teams. schools. When right? Penn hits paper, then we'll know. But we'll stay on top of that uh, but, as well. well. It is uh, Wednesday. I'll tell you this. If they don't get seat, they um, won't be ranked 49. They will not. We'll keep an eye on that. Of course, talk more about the Broncos. The uh, Nuggets get going tonight as well in just about uh, 10 minutes out in Toronto. But we're going to, I'm going to step aside. It is Wellness Wednesday, which means time for our checkup with the neck up with Dr. Rick Perea. So we'll make sure that uh, we give you an opportunity to hear from that. Some great stuff coming up specifically on the coaching styles for the Broncos, the notion of leadership. You do not want to miss it. So uh, I will step aside, but uh, Danny Bailey and Sandy will be back with Dr. Rick Perea on a Wellness Wednesday. Get your checkup from the neck up next on My Life Sports. Good afternoon and welcome to yet another edition of Wellness Wednesday. I'm Sandy Clough alongside Dr. Rick Perea. You're getting your checkup from the neck up. We do this podcast on a weekly basis on Mile High Sports, and it can be uh, heard, of course, as part of our Wednesday afternoon program from 530 to 6, and it is also available via milehighsports.com. And uh, after a uh, a week of separation between us. It's good yeah. to see you yeah, good uh, to be once back. again. And uh, uh, thanks to uh, uh, the uh, uh, fill-in from uh, last week. Uh, AP. Uh, AP yeah. uh, filled in last week, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, good and lively show, but yep. uh, lots to cover today. We have uh, basically three main subject areas, and we're going to start because you know this individual well. You've mm-hmm. been around him. Uh, you've had uh, some dialogue with Draymond Green yes, over sir. the years, yes, the sir. forward from the Golden State Warriors, multiple-time uh, NBA champion who was suspended indefinitely recently by the NBA uh, under uh, uh, conditions that uh, truly seem to be open-ended. Uh, there's been some speculation that he might be reinstated for uh, – some degree of uh, absence, uh, maybe as quickly as three weeks from now. Maybe it'll take longer. Uh, The NBA has been uh, uh, pretty clear that uh, Draymond Green must meet certain conditions before he is reinstated. Uh, The Warriors have said much the same thing. Draymond Green seems open to counseling. But having been around him, this is the second time he's been suspended this year. The first time was for a number of games, and it yep. was a finite suspension. This one open-ended, indefinite. Could yeah. be three weeks, could be three months, could be longer, could be somewhere in between three weeks and three months, I suppose. Could be almost anything. 
But you said something interesting before we started today. You said from knowing Draymond Green, conventional counseling is not what he needs right right now. Yeah. Because he is far from being a conventional personality. That's right. And you have to reach people where they're at. That's one of the things we do in our practice at Think One is we make sure we reach people where they're at, regardless if they're an athlete, a surgeon, an executive, whoever they are. Um, Draymond is a different personality. I've been around him. He's he's pretty good friends with Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins. And when I was working for the Dolphins on a daily basis, he'd come down there and visit in the offseason. And so been around him in that context, been around him in a few other contexts. But I think for what's going to work for Draymond is for him to really be self-reflective because what he's doing is, to me, it's more a reflection of his insecurity on some level. You know, um, I think one of the – I can't remember who it was, but somebody called him out on it, what, uh, an ex-NBA player, and says, when's the last time someone stood up to Draymond? Yeah. You know, and that's my point too. It's like, you know – why are they afraid of this guy? Like I, I see him at practice. I would, I would have no hesitation in going after him. I mean, you know, what, what, what are people scared of this guy? You know, he needs to be held accountable that way, but he also needs to be held accountable by Steve Kerr. I, I need Steve Kerr to show some leadership and I may get pushback on that because he's won some world championships, but I tell people don't confuse leadership with basketball competencies and acumen. So you can be a great X and no guy, a great culture guy, but not necessarily understand how to deploy leadership in a deficit context like yeah. this. And it takes strong leadership to call him over and say, hey, pal, you know, you may be X, Y and Z on the floor, but you're hurting us. You're hurting a game. You know, he, he really is. I mean, when you watch and then you and you watch him do what he did. Um this last episode and then he says it was an accident with Yusuf Nurkic right he said he Bro. was trying to draw attention so okay. he could get a foul call and he just happened to throw his arms back and his left arm struck Nurkic in the face Nurkic by the way pretty good guy yeah he was uh, here not a great player he was, he was here, here when I was working with the Nuggets you were yeah. working with the Nuggets you know yeah. Nurkic well, know well. Uh, Nurkic was not buying the explanation no. that it was no. accidental even as Green apologized, Nurkic was not buying it. The league did not buy it. Uh, the team did not buy it. Uh, this is a league-imposed suspension, which, uh, uh, of course, once again, uh, sort of absolves the Warriors from responsibility. And the Warriors have said all the right things, I suppose. But until very recently, uh, after the first suspension, Kerr finally spoke out and did seem to be tougher on green and more demanding, but I'm how many years did it take for right. that to happen? Right. And even after he punched a teammate, uh, a year ago, over a year ago during training camp, he got fined. He was out for a little while, but it was preseason. Yeah. It, there was really nothing done except to the player he punched who got traded at the end yeah. of the season, Jordan Poole. But here's something I want people to think about. And, and, you know, this will hopefully raise some awareness. There's approximately 10 to 15% of all professional athletes are undiagnosed in mood disorders. Yeah. 10 to 15% of players, whether it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, or the NFL, who have undiagnosed mood disorders. For Draymond to say, oh, it was an accident from what that was, come on, man. I mean, I wish I would see him right now. I would look at him and I'd say, bro, really? Come on. So You're not talking to an adolescent here. You know, 
the best thing for him to say is, you know, I've made some really poor decisions on the basketball court, which he's and, never quite said. No, and I'm gonna, but you know what? I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna get the help I need. And help doesn't necessarily mean that he goes into clinical counseling. You know, that's another thing I want understood. There's a way to help him get right quicker than clinically. There's a way to help him understand his insecurities because there are some real insecurities here that are at the root of this. We call that the etiology, the etiology of behaviors. Where is that coming from? Because it's coming from somewhere. And so if he does have an undiagnosed mood disorder, that doesn't mean he's kicked out of the league. It doesn't mean he has to be suspended for long periods of times. Maybe he needs some medication. Maybe he needs understanding of how his brain works with his autonomic nervous system to keep him on the calm side, the parasympathetic. But he has to have some intervention. And, you know, me and, uh, you know, some of my ex ex NFL buddies and even my sons who play football, we, we laugh at the NBA because why doesn't somebody just punch him in the mouth <laughs> one flipping time and say, you know what, pal? I, I mean, it'd be so simple. I've, I've stood next to Draymond. He is not a he is not a big man, you know. There's what are you what are you afraid of, and and he's a very kind person too. In my context, I've known him to be very kind and very open and sharing. We've had a lot of great conversations. At least the teammates he hasn't punched out yeah. adore him, <laughs> right? But including Steph Curry, who's supposed to be a leader, yeah, right? Yeah, he's good friends with Green, but that's a failure of leadership too. It's yep. Kerr and it's Curry. It's other people as well, but to me, they're two of the culprits because they've almost always defended Green, right? Even but, defending the indefensible at times. But you know what, Sandy? Let me tell you something. Leadership is one of my strongest competencies when I work in the corporate world, when I work in pro sports. And I got to tell you, just because a coach can coach in the competency X's and O's and culture acumen context doesn't mean they have leadership skills. In fact, I think it's rare that you find a head coach that's got great leadership skills. Average to good, maybe, but not great. Sean Payton's a great example. That was not great leadership skills of how he undressed we'll talk his about starting that. quarterback. We'll this talk past about weekend. that in a few minutes. That's all part about being a leader, too. Absolutely. And uh, what we're also going to talk about today, um, along with the uh, Payton-Wilson situation, is uh, the idea of post-traumatic growth, not post-traumatic stress, but growth. And we'll get into that, too, a little bit later on. But uh, in all of pro sports, I suppose this is true. Uh, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and, of course, Steph Curry, yeah. Steve Curry's coach, mm -hmm. the heart of what is generally considered to have been over roughly the past decade, an NBA dynasty. Yeah, sure. And uh, four championships. Uh, frankly, it should have been four in a row and a fifth one that they won a couple of years back mm -hmm. fairly recently. Um, the reason they didn't win four in a row, they were up 3-1 in the finals against Cleveland. Draymond Green got himself suspended for yeah. doing something uh, we need not get into here to LeBron James during the course of a game. It triggered an automatic suspension fifth game yeah which was in oakland at the time not right. san francisco they've yeah. since moved to san francisco but at the time they were playing out of oakland they lose the fifth game they lose the sixth game in cleveland they come back for the seventh game and even with green back 
uh, for that seventh game, for the 6-2, for that matter. They lose the seventh game. They lose the series. That was the year they won 73 games. Yeah. Set the all-time single-season win record. Draymond Green has been a big part of four championship teams, but he also cost them a championship once. Yeah. He absolutely did. He impacted that team in that context in a negative fashion. Uh, one of the things we do with teams is we we establish collaboration and cooperation with teams. And when you break momentum, you have one of your starters and, you know, arguably really good defensive player, really good enforcer. Um, He's on a valuable team. player. He's a very He's valuable a very piece valuable of that player. team. He impacted the, 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 the direction of that team. And I think, you know, I understand the NBA has to juggle, you know, being a business and appealing to the fans and, and all of that. But at some point you got to put your foot down and say, you know what, this guy has a potential real, um, you know, organic issue that's going on that's beyond environmental it's organic in the brain and we have to address it and i th actually think it's a golden opportunity you know for the the nba brass to show leadership and say hey we take mental health seriously and we're going to find out what's going on with this guy we're going to address it we're going to treat it and we're going to move forward and it's going to be a great example for other leagues to follow instead of sweeping issues under the rug I want to get to the bronco issue and i notice you've Got the hoodie on. I do. All right. For yeah. those viewing, you can see it. Uh, for those merely listening, I point it out because it's uh, interesting that you're sporting the hoodie on the week when Bill Belichick's New England Patriots come to town to take yes, on sir. the Denver Broncos. Yes, sir. And I know through the years it's been well documented that Bill Belichick has been tough on quarterbacks, very much including Tom Brady, mm -hmm. on the practice field. Yeah. Not in public. Right in front of millions of people yes. who are watching the Broncos play the Lions on Saturday night, the NFL Network. It was the yeah. only football game on at the time. So if you're a football fan who wanted to watch a football game, that was your only option yeah. Yeah. on Saturday night. So they had a huge viewing audience. And when the Broncos are down 28-7 to and they have completed a frustrating sequence near the Detroit goal line uh, late in the game, with a chance to make it 28-14, they end up on two plays that might have been touchdowns. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were. Uh, neither play was challenged. Uh, the Broncos had fourth down at roughly the one-foot line. And on fourth and a foot, Quinn Miners lines up offside. Again, something that might have been allowed to pass without a call, but with the recent emphasis on calling those kinds of penalties, Denver was penalized, set back to the five-and-a-half-yard line, and that point uh, determined, I guess, a decision by Sean Payton to kick a field goal to make it 28-10 to 10 rather than go for it on fourth and five, which seemed the only choice in the matter. After that sequence was complete, Payton started going after the officials understandable that he'd be frustrated thought they might have not only scored once but maybe a second time and neither call was made in denver's favor but then all of a sudden he turns to russell wilson and starts screaming at him my point about belichick is that i never saw bill belichick do that to a player or a quarterback on the sidelines during a game. Now, did I see Tom Brady get into it with Bill O'Brien and with Josh McDaniels at times? Absolutely. Sure. But Brady gave at least as good as he got yeah. and yelled right back. That is not Russell Wilson's personality. And for whatever reason, Peyton chose 
to spend a considerable amount of time screaming at Russell Wilson, turned away after the first volley of uh, uh, admonition, mm-hmm. <laughs> went back at him a second time, and then turned back and sort of walked away and turned around and went back at him a third time. This is all captured yeah. on national TV. Yeah. Described by Kevin Harlan, the play-by-play man, as an animated one-way conversation. Wilson just stood there and took it. Davis Webb, the quarterback coach, who I think might have intervened, but maybe more afraid of Peyton than Russell Wilson is, maybe a lot more (laughs) afraid of Peyton than Russell Wilson is. He just stood there and let Peyton continue to yell at the quarterback. Never seen it before. Coaches yell at players. Coaches yell at quarterbacks. Was Peyton justified in doing that or not justified at all? Well, he was not justified because organizationally he got himself into that situation. Let me give you an example. For those out there that understands organizational performance, they'll understand this. So it really the person that should be calling Russell Wilson out on things is his quarterback coach. That's Webb. Yes. Davis but Webb. he won't because he doesn't have the leadership skills. Who hired him? Sean, Sean Payton. Payton. Sean Payton doesn't understand the hierarchy that's needed. The great team. Davis Webb is younger than Russell Wilson. I understand that. And Davis Webb is not ready for that job. I'm putting that out there right now because he doesn't have the leadership skills of course to handle him in that context. And so part of the frustration from, from, um, from, uh, Old, what's his name? The head coach. He just slipped my mind. Sean Payton. Part of the issue from with, with Sean Payton is he got frustrated because his position coach wasn't handling the, the way he should handle it. So then he had to intervene and be a leader in that context. The best, you know, when, when, when New England was having the best success, it was either Josh or it was Bill that were working with him. And then they'd communicate through Bill Belichick, Bill right. O'Brien, I mean. So Bill OB, right. we call him OB. OB would communicate through through Bill, and then and then uh, Josh would as well. The hierarchy that he has set up, his quarterback coach doesn't have the leadership skills to take that on. So I think what happened was, is Peyton got frustrated that his he wasn't getting coached, he wasn't getting coached through that scenario. And so whatever he, the issue was, whatever the issue was, and he blew up and he got upset and it was more than it needed to be because in a well-functioning oil machine position, coach handle their positions. Coordinators will jump in at times, but a head coach is a CEO. And as a CEO, you're a leader. You have your headset plugged into defense. When they're on defense, you have your headset plugged exactly. into the offense when right. the offense is out there. And you understand how your hierarchy works. Your quarterback coach handles that. If Kenny Zampezi was on the Broncos, he would have handled that. I'll tell you that right now. He's the best quarterback coach in the league, and that's pretty well understood. But Kenny Zampezi's 55 years old, and he's got <laughs> leadership, and he grew up with Ernie Zampezi as his dad, and he's got that pedigree. Ernie Zampezi, a big part of the success of oh Air Coriel. Yeah, absolutely. He was the foundation of Air Coriel. But I just I want people to understand coaching staff, you just don't throw them together. Oh, well, this one's available. Let's plug them in. You just don't throw coaching staffs together. You've got to have competencies and acumen at each position, especially quarterback. Especially quarterback. You know, when I, I was with Cleveland with Hugh Jackson when we brought we drafted Baker Mayfield, 
And the biggest mistake that was ever made in Baker's development, you see what Baker's doing right now, too. The biggest he threw mis- a perfect game the other day, yeah. statistically, in right. Green Bay, which had never happened before for an opponent to come in there and pitch a perfect game, which is a 158.3 passer rate. Right. The greatest thing that happened was right out of the gate is that Baker was working with Kenny Zampezi, who was our quarterback coach in Cleveland, and then uh, Jimmy Haslam jumped in and fired Hugh, and then everything kind of fell apart. But I'll tell you what, when you hire a quarterback coach, when you hire an offensive coordinator, you go to great painstaking um, you know, diligence, due diligence to make sure not only do they know the position, not only do they know how to teach footwork and technique, but they're leaders. They know how to call you over and say, here, pal, this is what we need to be doing. Get your butt going and have some leadership skills, not just the football acumen. Because Sean Payton can't run this whole football team and turn to kicking people in their butt and getting them going. Because Russell Wilson knew better. You won't say it, but I will. Russell Wilson didn't handle that situation down there in terms of what 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 was going on. They, they, he should have called timeout and said, we'd throw a red flag. There's a reason Sean Payton didn't want to throw a red flag. And everybody knows what it is. But it's just the lack of leadership on these pro teams that hurt them. But nobody talks about that, Sandy, because they're not aware of it. They think it's all oh, it's all it's about is X's and O's. There's way more to performance than X's and O's. I want to be clear about what you just said. Yes. There's a certain failure there on Wilson's part. Absolutely. Too. Some have suggested, including Teddy Bruschi on ESPN Monday morning, that Wilson should have yelled back. Yes. A hundred percent at his coach. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. You know, if you want a healthy relationship, let's go. What are you talking about? You know, what do you want me to do? You taught me, you know, um, I don't know the quarterback coach's name. What's his name? Davis Webb. Davis Webb. Like, where's he? Where's he in this thing? He's, well, he's standing right he's there. He's standing over he's there with his tail right between there. his legs. Right. His tail between his legs. Be a leader. Be a leader. There's no leadership beyond this. And leadership right. is not sarcasm, by the way. Right. Leadership is not being a smart ass every time a media person asks you a question. Leadership, right. And saying it's none of your business. Yeah. yeah. Payton There's said so after many the different game, ways. None of your business, what we talk. He about. could have handled that in so many different ways, Sandy, that would have been more professional. It would have answered the, the person's question right. and it would have been healthy. But no, that's not leadership, it's sarcasm. You know right. what? You use sarcasm when you don't have content. I'll repeat that. You use sarcasm when you don't have content. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. We're talking to Dr. Rick Perea, as we do each and every week on Wellness Wednesday. Get your checkup from the neck up from Dr. Rick Perea, the former psychologist of the world champion Denver Broncos back in 2015. Worked shortly thereafter the Colorado Rockies uh, across a period in which the Rockies were actually a pretty good baseball team, made the playoffs in 2017 and 2018. And he's also worked, uh, as mentioned uh, uh, earlier, with the world champion uh, Denver Nuggets, the current world champions of the National Basketball Association. But most importantly, Dr. P also helps middle and high school performers to reach peak levels. So whether you're an everyday performer at work, at play, or at school, call Dr. P today at 720 720- 2870933 that's 7202870933 or look them up at Dr P at think one number 4u.org that's think one 4u.org and thank you sir uh, that's really at 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 the heart of all this i i found it interesting and then we'll move on to uh, post traumatic growth that richard sherman 
Mm -hmm. Certainly no friend of Russell Wilson's. Mm -hmm. They were not friends as teammates in Seattle. Uh, they have not been friends since Richard Sherman left football. Richard Sherman was among many former Seahawks defensive players who were gathered on the sideline last year, 2022, on opening night in Seattle, uh, celebrating Seattle's victory over Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. They are not friends. Richard Sherman offered an unvarnished defense of Russell Wilson on FS1 Monday morning on a panel with Michael Irvin and Keyshawn Johnson. And basically what Richard Sherman said was that you can't yell at a veteran, especially a veteran quarterback that way. And he said much the same as you did. That's not leadership. That's not the way you coach players and especially a veteran and this is Richard Sherman talking about Russell Wilson. He said, who's actually played pretty well for you mm. this year. Yeah. And you treat him like that. And it isn't the first time there's been a sideline, one-way animated conversation involving Peyton yelling at Russell Wilson. Did the same thing earlier in the year, late in the game that the Broncos had blown uh, with uh, certainly – Peyton sharing in the responsibility for blowing that game, but it seems that every time, almost every time, the Broncos lose a game, Peyton wants to make sure that you understand that he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Doesn't it seem that way yeah, no, it does. to you? It does. And even during the winning streak, dragging praise for Russell Wilson yeah. out of Sean Peyton was an exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, exercise. Mm -hmm. The only praise offered seemed obligatory rather than laudatory on the part of Sean Payton yeah. toward Russell Wilson, who is in many ways having a pretty good year, one of the top 10 passer ratings in the league, and certainly was not at fault. It's not his job to challenge or not challenge. It's not his fault that Quinn Miners lined up offside the other night. It's not his fault that Javante Williams couldn't get into the end zone or Jaleel McLaughlin on a pass play right before that couldn't get across into the end zone. And to offer three different versions, one after the game, well, I was just yelling at the officials. Then it's none of your business, which we've already addressed. And then on Monday saying, oh, it was really nothing. Don't believe your own lying eyes. It was nothing. And Russ and I have a great relationship, quote unquote. Yeah. I don't believe any of it. No. Do you? No, not at all. No, I don't. I don't. And in fact, I think that, you know, Sean really needs to brush up on his competencies and acumen away from X's and O's too. his his leadership skills. And his idea is know, X's and O's is everything. Yeah. No, it's and not. They it's are not. And, and they you know, are messing up or Russell Wilson is messing up my brilliantly conceived game plan you know here's something i want the listeners and viewers to understand is that again in any other organization in the world in any industry in the world we develop executives we continually do professional development most pro teams do not develop their coaches in other words they don't teach them ongoing communication skills, ongoing leadership skills, ongoing skills of how to motivate people from a psychological perspective, they should. They should. And the top teams do. 
the top teams do. I have always told you it's about four or five teams that are <laughs> that are cutting edge out of thirty two. And, and and no, and we're talking about a billion dollar industry, yeah. a billion dollar industry, and they don't develop their professionals. And nobody knows this. Nobody talks about it because it's not delineated. So it's really important to understand that. Um, I think there's leadership development that needs to happen within this organization. And, you know, if, 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 if this new ownership is really all that, there's a new GM in here. There is a new GM in here for a new climate culture. I know who the guy is. You know who I think the guy needs to be. He comes in here. This, this organization's flipping very quickly. Because he's in charge. Because he's in charge. And, and I he knows what leadership is. And I don't know if he keeps that same head coach or not, but I'm telling you what, things would change. Post-traumatic growth. Uh, Danny, we've got about uh, three minutes left, I believe. Enough time? We'll do it anyway. All right. <laughs> Post-traumatic growth. Perception or experience shapes beautiful adversity, human resilience, teaching hope and grace, seen opportunity in every situation you know let's 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 do this next time i'm going to talk about it just for a second but let's do this next time we'll do it I, at length because i want to get people to understand and help people understand how powerful this is because so many people know what post-traumatic stress disorder is and many of us have it you know many of us walk in the streets have it people think it's people who come back from war theater but it's yeah. really any kind of stress disorder that has happened after an event and then it triggers memories from you. But we've started a new vision of there's post-traumatic growth. So in other words, instead of stop, instead of feeling stress after trauma, we can now feel growth and development and make that a norm, make that a norm, not something in the exception. So next time let's talk about it in depth because I think it can really help a lot of people, especially at this time of the year when it's a very joyous time, but it's for many people, it can be a very solemn, melancholy, and depressing time. And that is our podcast for this week. We'll see you next Wednesday afternoon after Christmas on Wellness Wednesday. Get your checkup from the neck up. I'm Sandy Clough for Dr. Rick Perea. We'll see you next time.